the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. Uh, great week so far. Our thanks to the uh, the entire Rolodex of content and guests and friends that have uh, stopped by. Make sure that you go back and check out our mailbag. Make sure you check out Barrett Salee talking all things SEC. And uh, But now, I mean, it's Thursday. You, I know why you're here, and so we, we might as well deliver it to you. It's the Locks Pod. So joined, as always, by Barton Simmons, Tom Fernelli. Gentlemen, how are we feeling as we approach week nine? I kind of like the slate this week. Fun slate. Kinda, yeah, kind of took a took a look at the board and a lot of lot of lot of action out there that was tempting. So I, I, I narrowed it down, but uh, I felt like there were some there were some tasty lines this week. Yeah, you know, for the first time this season, when I was when I was working on the six pack, my problem wasn't finding games that I wanted; it was finding games to not include. Ooh. So I mean, I've got I've got a lot of locks this week. The same that we've had all season. It's just I still had to like cut it down, or it was like I kind of want to pick this game, but I've already got ten. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about this week too. I I don't know what it is. It's just seeing the board well, seeing the board well. Love to hear it. Uh, all right, well let's uh, let's review what happened last week. Uh, Barton six and three week. He had a uh, a loss with the Penn State, so that is a lock fight loss with Tom. But then he got a lock fight win against me, just being a dummy, taking Arkansas to cover nineteen and a half against Auburn. Dummy, dummy, dummy. But good pick for Barton. That's a win. Uh, he also won on LSU minus eighteen and a half at Mississippi State. Cash that Florida minus five. Purdue plus eighteen. Georgia Tech. Barton, the rambling wreck. How about you not only calling the spot, but calling it like right on the money? Uh, should have should have should have sprinkled that money line with it. That would have been a healthy payout on that money line. That was a wild game, though. It took some it took some some gymnastics for Georgia Tech to pull that one out. So that probably was, uh, you know, that probably the the money line might not have been the right play, but I think the the, the line certainly was. Well, the, the, a lot of that in Miami games this year. Yeah, yeah. the the cover was money as soon as there was the fumble return touchdown in the first quarter with the the, right. the money line cash required three missed field goals inside of 40 yards including a 26 yarder that got blocked in the final minute that's yes. that's a little <laughs> bit more miami weird yeah. uh usc minus nine and a half comfortable win for the trojans and then the losses they were few it was missouri minus 21 uh the under in washington oregon man that was a that was a that, that was a little bit painful to see that one. That go, went nothing like I expected it to go. Yeah, they were just score. That was just a shootout. Yeah, 
It was it was not at all what I expected uh, either. So, uh, but six and three on the week, up to 40, 24 and four on the season. Let's go. Goodness gracious! Any any He's other lessons? Carrying us. Yeah, I know. <laughs> any other lessons or takeaways from uh, last week's slate? Uh, always be wary betting against a sleepy eleven a.m. kick at Vanderbilt Stadium. No, it was a two thirty kick actually, but it was still you know that's you, you can't trust Derek Mason's squad, good or bad. So props to Vandy for getting a big win. Uh, for Tom, he was four and six. The wins were the lock fight win as he cashed Michigan plus nine. They got Oregon State, the beloved Beeves, plus 11. Uh, the under 67 in Arizona, USC, and the under 49 in New Mexico, Wyoming. The losses were first a uh, lock agreement loss with me, and uh, I'm so sad, so sad to see uh, Washington lose that one a loss in the under 45 and a half in duke virginia that got out of hand very quickly yeah uh the south florida plus 14 which which side of charlie strong are you on never again okay uh and <laughs> arizona state plus 14 was a loss and then uh charlotte plus nine also a loss very very sad about that uh, all right now for chip a two and eight week. Two and eight. It wasn't that long. Barton, we thought it was maybe last week it was seven and one. That's not the case. It's like seven and one in week five. Then you're two and six in week six, four and five in week seven, two and eight uh, in week eight. The uh, the losses were a plenty. I mentioned the lock fight losses. I was on Arkansas. Black agreement loss on Washington plus three. Black agreement loss on the under 51. I believe that might have also been my money line sprinkle. Uh, the under 48 and a half in Florida, South Carolina. Looked good for a while, then Florida got frisky. Uh, loss, Oklahoma State minus three and a half. That Cowboys are um, in a funky spot right now. NC State minus three, just a no-show in Chestnut Hill. Very disappointing. The over 61 in LSU, Mississippi State was a loss. I mean, Thank goodness for Louisiana Tech getting it done on NFL Network in the Conference USA game of the week. And that was even a back-and-forth crazy game. Uh, Central Michigan, fire up chips. They were uh, my other win. And then Texas, minus 21. They damn near lost to Kansas. So 2-8 and eight for the week. Pulls me down to 29-39 and 39 on the season. The dentist, double loss. Yikes. Yeah, yeah. Not a good, not a good day for the dentist. Is the uh, is the dentist going to be providing us with um, any uh, any checkups or any advice consultations? The dentist, like the dentist actually likes the card this week, um, and uh, he sent me. There's three picks he likes, but I'm only uh, with him going zero two. He's really only allowed to play one. He's got to work his way back into our good graces to get a three a threefer. So I'm happy to relay. The three he likes, but I'm only going to allow him to put, get one officially on the board. Okay, sounds good. All right, you all ready to lock it up? Yes. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five star locks are coming. Come get these locks. Five star master lock. Lock it up. You want these locks? I'm 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 living and dying every every point every cover. All right, Barton, you've got uh, you've got the honors. Take us where you want to go. All right, uh, I'm gonna go. First of all, any any Thursday night plays? 
Ooh, no. thank you. Night. Yeah, no Thursday night plays. All right, okay. So no Thursday night plays. Let's get to Saturday. Let's oh, get to Friday my favorite. Night, Friday night plays? Anybody got Friday night plays? Oh, Friday night plays. See, Friday no. night plays? Okay. No. All right. Then in that case, let me get to my favorite play of the weekend. This would be Tennessee and South Carolina in Knoxville under 47 and a half. Uh, I, I saw this, this number is, is kind of shocks me this big. I mean, there, there's, there's a bunch of 38s and 37s floating around this week and somehow Tennessee, South Carolina gets dang near 50. <laughs> I, I think there's a few issues I have with a number this big. One is Tennessee is going to do everything. Like the, the, there's a lot to like about Tennessee this year. There's a lot to be encouraged by. The quarterback play is, is, has been pretty horrific. And in some ways, the, the quarterback play has been okay because they've game-planned around it. They have acknowledged that their quarterback play is bad, and so they haven't allowed their quarterback play to beat them. Last week, that wasn't the case. The quarterback just found a way to beat them. But I think this is another game where Tennessee, with a good defense – with Jarek Guarantano likely starting at quarterback, and if not JT Shrout at quarterback behind him, it's going to get some reps. I think Tennessee is going to be very conservative, as they always are. I think South Carolina is going to be the same. I mean, this is just two teams that are going to do everything within their power to keep this game close, not make mistakes. Um, not close, but not make mistakes and, and figure out a way to win with their run game and, and with their defense. And so uh, I just I don't get this number. I'm going to go under 47 and a half. That was also the dentist's favorite play of the week, coincidentally. And so Tennessee, South Carolina, under 47 and a half with a, a dental uh, a dental recommendation as well. All right. I'm uh, I'm on this game. But I'm not on the on the total here. I <gasps> I'm gonna take Tennessee plus <gasps> four and a half. I uh, I this South Carolina is in a very interesting spot here. It has been an emotional couple of weeks, and you know for all the all the hubbub about you know what where, where Tennessee's at, I I do think that there's some there's some reason for some positivity and thinking that this team is kind of turn the corner a little bit. And so with South Carolina going on the road after doing Georgia and Florida and in Tennessee, maybe, maybe getting a little bit of, uh, of finding, finding a little bit of something in that Alabama game. I, I would not hate just a straight up Vols money line play, but I feel uh, more comfortable in a game that, and this plays into your under. I do think it's going to be probably a close, low scoring game. So if I can get not only three, not only three and a half, but a whole dog on four and a hook. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Vols home dog plus four and a half. Fellas, I have a play for this game as well. And it is what Chip mentioned. I'm on the money line. My money line sprinkle this week is Tennessee plus 170. There you go. I, I just think that we. It, they lost last week, obviously, to Alabama. They had a chance to win the game. We all know what happened with Grantano. 
at Guan, Guan, I was about to call him Guantanamo Bay. Guarantana. <laughs> Guarantana with the fumble at the goal line, calling his own play, getting yelled at, everybody having thoughts about it. But they were playing Alabama well, and I know Tua got hurt, but they were still playing well against Alabama before Tua's injury. And I just feel like this Tennessee team has kind of started to figure things out a little bit, and maybe it's, it's improving as the year goes along, and they're playing a South Carolina team that's now coming off of a game against Georgia and Florida. So there, there might be a little body blow theory in effect here. I, I respect Chips taking them against the spread, but I'm, I'm just, I, I like the value on Tennessee plus 170. I think they win this game often enough at home against the Gamecocks to make that my, my money line sprinkle this week. I had four tiers of picks this week. I have my locks. I have my locks on deck, the ones that just missed. <laughs> my locks in the hole, the ones that uh, are, you know, third stringers coming off the bench in a case of an emergency. And then I had my 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 cuts, my, my locks in the transfer portal. And this was one of my locks on deck. So I agree with you guys. I think Tennessee plus four and a half is the play where I got scared as I started to really think about this game because I agree that I think Tennessee is really close. I think Tennessee is finding confidence. I think last week, if anything, they come out of that Alabama game almost revitalized, yeah. re-energized by, by how close they played them, sort of convincing themselves that, hey, if Guarantano doesn't go you know, hero ball at the goal line, then you know, maybe maybe that game's an eight-point game. They got Mac Jones in. Who knows what happens? But my my the reason I'm concerned is part of the reason that South Carolina beat Georgia is that that run defense is really good. Javon Kinlaw can wreak havoc up front, and Tennessee doesn't do much well except run the football. Um, so I, that scared me off a little bit, but I'm still very close to pulling the trigger and. Uh, Considering it's not actually a lack of unity play with Tom Plant's money line, I'll, I'll, I'll just keep this in the uh, on-deck circle. Yeah, we're all very much in the same ballpark. The thinking is aligned right mm-hmm. now. Yes. yes. All right, Tom, uh, take us where you want to go. Well, I'm going to start off in Columbus, where Woo! the game lost a little bit of luster because Wisconsin went and lost to Illinois last week. And I'm actually somewhat annoyed by it because I feel like this spread would have been smaller had Wisconsin not lost last week. I think it would have been closer to the 10 and 11 range. But after losing to Illinois, they, they adjusted the line probably to about 14. And that's still too small to me because Ohio State is a lot better than Wisconsin. We've been waiting for a few weeks for this game so we could all take Ohio State. I'm hoping you guys will be joining me on this one. But it's just when I look at this matchup, where is Wisconsin better than Ohio State? Mm. Is it at quarterback? No. Is it at offensive line? Maybe. They're close. Receiver? No. Defensive line? No. Linebackers? Close, but no. Secondary? No. Special teams? No. <gasps> is it running back where Wisconsin has, you know, a Heisman contender in Jonathan Taylor? No. Ohio State's better there, too. Wow. Jonathan You're giving Ohio State the nod over Jonathan Taylor? Jonathan Taylor has not been great this year. We've seen him struggle in a few games against Power 5 competition. He's averaging 5.2 yards per carry, which is pretty generic. He's getting the bulk, which is helping his numbers, but as far as his efficiency, it's not there. Against Power 5 competition, J.K. Dobbins is at 7.5 yards per carry, and it's not like Ohio State's been playing you know, crappy defenses. So 
I look at Ohio State, it has the advantage at every single spot on this board. And if you look at how Illinois and Northwestern were able to slow down Wisconsin's offense, the Big Ten Network released its video with Urban Meyer and Gary DiNardo this morning of them breaking down what Illinois did against Wisconsin. So everybody knows. If Urban knows, you know Ohio State's going to know. And Ohio State has much better players on defense than either Illinois or Northwestern do. So if Illinois and Northwestern can do it, I think Ohio State's going to be fine forcing Jack Cohen to beat him. And while he's been efficient, Jack Cohen's not a dude who's going to be able to go toe-to-toe with Justin Fields for 60 minutes in a shootout and keep the Badgers in it. And the difference between, obviously, Illinois, Northwestern, and Ohio State is they don't have Ohio State's offense. Ohio State does. This is going to be a three-touchdown game before it's smaller than a two-touchdown game. Give me the Buckeyes. Lay it. Lock it up. You know, I, I don't know why you say that it, this game lost luster because there is no luster loss when you've just got an absolute winner right in front of your face, just just asking to be taken away from the bakery. So, yes, lock agreement. Of course I'm going to be on Ohio State in this game, and I'm just kind of at that place with Ohio State that I think they, even among the elite teams, I've got them, I don't do the full like power ratings, you know, like I don't, I don't have your your number over uh, a replacement team, no, no, you know, like shout out to Sagarin and Kenny White and everybody else that breaks it all the way down. But if, it, as I imagine it in my head, I've even got Ohio State like maybe a field goal better than even the elite teams right now as we sit. So uh, yes, give me Ohio State. Two very different class of competitors here. I think they win this game by 20. Yeah, and it's available at 14 right now. So if you're listening to this in some spots, look for that 14 because that hook could be crucial. But I don't think it will be. Like I said, I think Ohio State's winning this game by 20-ish. So you guys aren't worried about that because that's the hook is what scares me a little bit. No, uh, we can get it at 14. Where is it at 14? It is 14 right now at Bet, uh, Bet Online and Pinnacle. The sharp book. Um, so, Ohio State minus 14 and a half is running scout team on my roster right now <laughs> uh, with that third third unit. But if I'm getting it at Ohio State minus 14, that's a starter quality pick. So, let's, let's, let's unite the clans. Yes. I mean, you gotta let them know. It's it's Ohio State at home against a Wisconsin team that's not gonna be able to beat you through the air. I mean, this thing might be zero zero at the end of the first quarter, but it was gonna be twenty one nothing at halftime, Barton. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, so I would, I would, I mean, I, y'all, y'all covered this game well and effectively, and I'm, I'm, I agree with everything you're saying. In in light of that pick, then. Uh, I am curious if either y'all have a pick on Auburn LSU. I do. I don't. Uh, all right. Have at it, Tom. I'm on LSU minus 10. This is. Right. Uh, so that's consistent. So to answer my question, then, like, that's because I feel like these two spots are, are similar. And if you're, if you're like in Ohio State, then it makes sense you're like in LSU. So go ahead. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same situation as when I took. Auburn at Florida a few weeks ago when Florida was the home dog. I just, here, here's, I broke it down. Bo Nix, we've spent so much time talking about Bo Nix on this podcast, but 
at home, Bo Nix is completing 63.5% of his passes. He's averaging 9.5 yards per attempt. He has four touchdown passes, no interceptions. On the road, Bo Nix is completing 50.5% of his passes. He's got a yards per attempt of 6.3, so three yards fewer. He's got seven touchdowns, but five interceptions. And now, those numbers sound bad enough as it is, but when you look at those road numbers, keep in mind that last week, on the road against Arkansas in your lock fight, Bo was 12 for 17 with three touchdowns and no interceptions, averaging 10.4 yards per attempt. So you take away that Arkansas game, and the numbers are horrific. Against Oregon and Florida, he's averaged about 40% completion, or he had about a 40% completion rate. You put him up against a good defense, and granted, LSU's defense I don't think is as good as Florida's overall, nor is it as good as Oregon's. But its secondary, as we've also discussed, is probably one of the best in the country. It's filled with NFL talent. I think LSU, like those other teams, are going to be able to make Auburn beat them on the ground. And Auburn, I think, is going to find some success running the ball. It's just they're going to make Bo Nix beat them. They'll let you have success running it. But if you're going to beat us, it's going to have to be Bo Nix. And I have seen nothing from Nix on the road in this kind of environment to make me think that he's going to be able to do that, particularly in a game where he's going to have to keep up with Joe Burrow and the LSU offense, which I think is getting at least 32, 33, 34, 35 points in this game. So I like LSU minus 10. Lock it up. Getting it at, getting it at 10, not 10 and a half? It is at 10 at... Pinnacle and uh, Circa. All right, 10 it is. By the hook, kids. Uh, one thing that's interesting about this game, and I, I just, you know, in reading up about this matchup this week, did you guys know in 47 games as defensive coordinator at Auburn, Kevin Steele's allowed 30 or more points three times? That's Not pretty. before. That's pretty wild. I well, I know that Auburn is one of ten teams in the country so far this year to not give up more than twenty four. Do we know who the teams he gave them up to were? Who he gave uh, them? Florida <laughs> is one of them. They got exactly twenty four. Well, the the thirty plus points uh, was I can find out pretty quick. Um, one of them was was when Bama put up like fifty two. Um, and uh, sorry, I can call it the other ones. Georgia in the SEC championship game in 2017. Sounds right. Mm-hmm. So basically when they're playing elite offenses. Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I mean, do you think they've only played three elite offenses in 47 games? In the SEC? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Until this year, yeah. Well, maybe. I mean, there's there's been good offenses, but there hasn't been like, you know, the, the, the offenses like we've seen of Alabama and LSU this year that are averaging 50 points per game. I right. Think- I'm not, and I'm not saying they're going to keep him under 32 or 30 uh, because we've we've rarely – no one has, has seen offenses like LSU Alabama recently. You know, mm-hmm. like that's 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 unique to this season. Um, my, but I think it, it worries me a little bit just in the sense – so the games were Bama 30, Auburn 12, and, and – 2016, uh, Oklahoma 35, Auburn 19 in the Sugar Bowl in 2017, and 2018, Bama 52, Auburn 21. Those are the three. So Bama and Oklahoma. Yeah, but I, but 
I just I, I I could see Auburn just keeping this. Cl- I, I could see Auburn keeping it close. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm not. This was this was not on the scout team. This isn't the transfer portal. This isn't second team. This is nowhere on my card. Just because I'm a little scared of it. I've been picking Auburn on CBS Sports HQ all week, but my score has been 33-24, and that's not a confident. Uh, that's not. It's not a confident enough position for me to take it as a lock. But if if you want to play the spot and suggest that the team that's averaging 50 points per game might be limited to a measly 35 or 34 <laughs> points, then. Yeah, I I could see it. I mean, it's right. You know, you're playing at home. It's right before the off week. I I could see it, but uh, good luck to you, Tom. Not a lot for me. Mm-mm. Thank you, sir. Stay away from that. All right. Uh, let's go to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Prime time, under the lights. Jim Harbaugh calling it total crap. He has no agents or representatives. I represent myself, he said in an email to the uh, the players on this team. But even before the whole Jim Harbaugh brouhaha and whatever intangibles you want to bake into any kind of motivation one way or another, I think that I looked at uh, this, this Michigan team and I, I sort of saw what the way things came together in the second half, I mean, they they nearly finished that game with three straight touchdown drives. If Ronnie Be- with if Ronnie Bell catch holds onto that ball, then they finish regulation. The last three times that the offense touches the ball, they finish in the end zone every time with like eight nine play drives. It, not even just you know home runs, but just at getting it done the way that Josh Gaddis likely has been hoping uh, this offense has been able to execute all the way through. They're going up against a Notre Dame team that's coming in from an off week. And I do believe that playing in the big house uh, at night with all the, you know, uh, sort of big picture surrounding pressure or not pressure, I think that this is a massive game for Michigan to win. They're they're not going to beat Ohio State this year. They're not going to win the Big Ten this year. But if Michigan beats Notre Dame, that I, I think that Michigan fans look back at this season and, and they start to feel a whole lot better about it. I I think that there are a few key positions where Michigan has just enough of an advantage, and I think that a big part of that's going to be uh, Stonewall and Tony Jones Jr., who just ran right through USC. So I, I think that if they can slow Tony Jones Jr., they win this game, and so I'm going to lock up Michigan. What's our consensus right now? Where are we at? Like it's either one or plus one or minus one. There's a lot of... It's mostly ones across the board are probably the most you can get right now. Plus one? Yeah. Michigan plus one? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll take it. Let's go. Hail to the victors, the champions of the West. (laughs) Fight me, Chip. Fight me. Ooh! Get it, get it, get it. Fight, 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 fight. Came here to chew bubble gum and get in fights, and I'm all out of bubble gum. And it's time to and and look. You know what else? You know that plus one. It might look good for you. You know you're getting a point if you're Michigan. But all I see is that this line opened up as Michigan favorite, moved all the way to Notre Dame 
minus one. And you know what that means? It means all of a sudden Jim Harbaugh is an underdog. It means Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> underdog underdog as, as against a top ten team. Yeah. No, it doesn't even top ten teams. It's underdog, period. Winless. So uh give me the give me the favorites in this spot. No, like the the reality is, and look, I could app I, I, I think Michigan played well last week. Second half, I, I think that we started to see a team that we can have more confidence in, and I think I can, I, I could very easily envision this being a Michigan win. Um, you know, this is not some sort of, uh, this this isn't some layup. Um, this this is a game that's you know if you play it ten times, I, I think there's maybe three, maybe four that Michigan wins. But I like Notre Dame here because. I just feel like it's more of a trustworthy, complete team. I feel like when you look at coming off of a bye week, Michigan coming off a, 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 a pretty physical, tough game, and I think Notre Dame having reset a little bit, coming off that bye week, um, getting to regroup, getting to get healthy. Uh, I, I, Brian Kelly has just talked about how mature and focused this team is I don't think the road will bother them uh I I just I think that this is a Notre Dame team that plays complimentary football and finds ways to win games like I don't think they care whether they're going to be shutting teams out I don't think they care whether they're going to be scoring 40 points I think they're just really good at finding the right game like a winning recipe to come out on top I don't have the same faith in Michigan and so I just like this Notre Dame matchup in terms of being a, a group that's a lot more trustworthy on both sides of the ball. So if you're going to give me uh, a, close, a close line here, give me Notre Dame minus one. Uh, worst case scenario, I'm pushing this. I think they win. This, this was one of the cuts from my card. I didn't like either side of the spread too much because I, I think that it's a little too close either way to be comfortable with it. And... As far as the total, I kind of had some dueling principles because, you know, home unders for or home overs for Michigan. But there's also the weather in this game is going to make things interesting because it's supposed to be, you know, about 10, 11 mile an hour winds and light rain blowing, which is going to make it difficult for both teams to pass. And if you look at both of these teams offensively this season, they've both struggled to run the ball for the most part. And I think that going into against each other, it's going to be even more difficult to run the ball in this matchup. So it, I think this could be kind of a sloppy little slugfest going on. But at the same time, the last four times these two have, play, have, have played in Ann Arbor, the average total of points has been 62. So it's been a lot higher scoring than you anticipate. And I feel like this total is too low to really feel comfortable taking the under. But I also feel like with that weather conditions, it's a little too uncomfortable taking the over. I don't really like the spread. So I wish you both luck in your endeavors in this fight. All I will right. ref. Okay, thank you. Uh, all right, well, let's go, Tom, back to you. Hey, Tom, before we get going here, I appreciate you offering up uh, a little weather for this game. But you you really dropped the ball last week. I mean, it was it was pouring all over the country having major impacts on the game. And I didn't hear a peep out of you last week talking about that rain. Can, can we get a little bit can – can we tighten it up a little bit on the, uh, on the weather this week? <laughs> Listen, the thing about rain is the rain actually increases scoring because it makes for sloppy field, which makes it more difficult to tackle and defend because 
the offense knows where it's going. The defense has to react. So when a defender needs to react to the movements of a ball carrier, who's more likely to slip in the mud and fall? Yeah, the uh, the Florida South Carolina game was monsooning, and that went over. Yeah, I mean that's the th- that's once it's like with a light rain and wind, it's not really a big deal. But when it's a heavy rain, I know because that stuff gets weird. That's when defensive touchdowns tend to happen. So South Carolina, Florida went over, and mm-hmm. despite the fact that Kyle Trask's hands shrunk five <laughs> times in the rain, right? Florida still covered. So I guess it didn't matter. Maybe Correct. it didn't matter. All right, fair enough. You're off the hook. Tom? (laughs) Okay. Um, For my next one, I'm taking Memphis minus 10.5 at Tulsa. I I have doubted Memphis a little too much. I've been skeptical of Memphis, been skeptical of Brady White, just, but I'm kind of buying in. And I think that this matchup in particular is one that Memphis should have a significant advantage. And this Tulsa team is really bad on the offensive line, and it's really bad on the defensive line. And while Memphis's lines I don't consider to be great, I think that compared to Tulsa, they look like, you know, an an SEC team in certain circumstances. So I think that this is going to be a situation where Memphis is going to get out early, and it's probably going to be able to coast. My only fear is, is that next week Memphis gets SMU, so there might be a little look-ahead factor here, but at the same time, Tulsa, I just, I've seen Tulsa play, and they haven't really been blown out. They've kind of done a good job of hanging around, but I just haven't seen anything from them that makes me think that this is a kind of game they're going to be able to really have anything for, because Memphis is a very good team. It's one of the better teams in the AAC, and the AAC this year has quite a few good teams, so... I'm a little scared by the hook, but I just really like Memphis here. I think they're going to win by two touchdowns. Yep. I'm not locking it up, but uh, there's there's a fine dividing line between tiers in the uh, in the yeah. American Athletic Conference. And one of these teams is, is in the top tier, and one of these teams is in the bottom tier. So I don't hate it. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm a little bit scared of Tulsa. I'm just... Uh, you know, I mean, this is a Tulsa team. They, you know, lost to Cincinnati on the road by 11. They lost to SMU on the road by six. They beat Wyoming by three. I just don't know what to make of this Tulsa team. I'm not saying this is this isn't the right side. I'm just I'm just a little scared of Tulsa. I think I think that that's their offensive line is so bad, and I know that that's. I don't know. I, I'm prep, I shouldn't say so bad. It's just their offensive line has not been good. And I just think that if you look at the advantage Memphis has on them in both lines in this matchup, that over 60 minutes, I just I just don't see how they're going to be able to keep up. Uh, all right, Barton, back to you. All right, uh, let's go. Let's, let's get a little, little, little Big 12 action here. Mm. Uh, so let's see. Oklahoma is playing Kansas State. If I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. you are correct. and that number is where you guys seeing that at? I see it. Twenty three and a half. Yeah, I see it as small as twenty three and a half, and as large as twenty four and a half. So depending on what side you're going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so all right. So let's talk about Oklahoma and what who they've played. All right, they played Houston, South Dakota, whatever. At UCLA, Texas Tech, at Kansas, Texas, and West Virginia. All right. Is there a, 
is there a fullback to be found in any of those games? <laughs> there is yeah, not. Yeah, Sam Ellinger. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> there, there ain't a there ain't a one, not a one. Uh, this is a Kansas State team that is, uh, like from a stylistic standpoint, very unique to what Oklahoma has played. I I've, I've been saying from the outset that Oklahoma while they, I think they are very good and while I think that they're a top four or five team in the country I just I have doubts that they're going to go through the Big 12 unscathed I think now is where we start to see them get tested I'm not saying Kansas State is the is, is one of the ones that beats Oklahoma but I do think that the the, the gauntlet begins here at Kansas State they go on the road against a, a a very physical football team where it's not about getting to the quarterback, it's about stopping the run. And I just don't think they have been tested in the way Kansas State will be testing them. So I am going Kansas State plus, uh, I get 24 and a half? Yeah. All right, I'll take it. Plus 24 and a half. And just so you know where I'm at on this game, I'm not playing this, but I did look up what the money line sprinkle would be. It would be, <laughs> it would be plus eleven hundred, and so, you know, we'll see if I get get the courage up for that at the end of the the show here. But for now, I'm just going to stick with the with the points. So I give mean, me Kansas State plus twenty four and a half. You are two and zero in the money line sprinkle. So if you're you're playing with house money, if you uh, want to do it, no doubt, yeah. I am not going to be getting in the way of Oklahoma. I feel like I am. Uh, I, th- I feel like I'm on the other side of the aisle from you. We are in decidedly different political stances on the Oklahoma Sooners. I think they're gonna, still going to win the national championship. I'm not getting in their way, but I'm not also not going to lock fight you on this one. Mm-mm, not with Kansas State. Kansas State, they've they've got enough of the the Kansas State That's an 11 DNA. a.m. kick too. Yeah, yeah, That's 11 a.m. in Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. they I, they've got. I do really like this Kansas. Yeah, State team. I like it. I like this Kansas State team a lot. So I'm not going to get in the way of that. Um, best of luck to you. Coming up on the other side, more of our Week Nine locks next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. All right, let's go to um i how about all right fine east lansing y'all want to make some dumb decisions yes okay 
We are thinking that it might be a circle of the wagons week for Mark D'Antonio. As the the frustrations are mounting, as the the coaching search agent chatter continues to wonder if we are seeing the end of the tenure of Mark D'Antonio, as everything is piling up, all of the adversity. We've got, tra- I mean, the transfer portal is the uh, second most visited website among Michigan State football players in the dorm rooms. But I I think Sparty can get it done here. So I'm going to take Sparty plus six and a half. What's the first most visited website? Probably Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I, I figured that was what you were hinting at. I just didn't know. If you, yeah. Okay. So Tom took care of that one. Tom took care. Uh, yeah. So All you, right. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm taking. I'm taking Michigan State plus six and a half, and uh, I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm also gonna make it my money line sprinkle. Woo. Six and a half is is my lock. But if, if we're going to get frisky with some sprinkles, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and take Sparty to do this. And there's, number one, I do expect it to be a really low-scoring game. Our over-under is 44. That's a little bit uh, too low, just knowing the explosiveness that we have, just by KJ Hamler alone. And I understand that from a Michigan State perspective, that doesn't quite line up. But I, I think that with uh, if it comes down to you know KJ Hamler and Daryl Stewart, some some wide receiver is going to have to make a play, and I wonder if Michigan State is going to be able to go back to that Penn State film and and see anything from uh, from the second half of that game. Now some of it might you know might have been sort of Penn State also defending a three score lead that they got out to early, but with this being uh, after the whiteout, with this being after kind of an uncomfortable win, I'm I'm just gonna. I'm going to go with Michigan State because it it truly feels like if, if Michigan State's got one classic Michigan State pull out the tire iron and get into a you know get into just a bare knuckle brawl in uh behind the the garage then I I think that this is going to be it and I think that this Penn State team still undefeated might be coming in with uh with a little bit of extra value. Penn State might get out of here with a 3-point win, Penn State might get out of here with a 4-point win, but I think at 6 and a hook I'm locking up Sparty. So, it's, it's a Big 10 Saturday for Chip. Your last three locks have been Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State. Well, you can't trust the ACC Coastal, <laughs> so might as well go to where I'm uh, next most comfortable. <laughs> this was a this was this one's in the transfer portal for me. I was I I, I wrote down Penn State minus six and a half, and then as I started digging in and started thinking about it, this went from potential lock to out of the program, and 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 not, and I flipped to one of my. Moneyline sprinkle favorites is Michigan State as well. I, I I agree with everything you're saying. I'm not I'm not locking this up, but I am firmly in your camp here just because you know, I mean, Michigan State coming off a of bye week. This is a Penn State team. Like this is the perfect recipe for Michigan State to have a Michigan State kind of game because Penn State has has been sort of playing around in some of these games you know 17 to 10 the pit or whatever like this is sort of they could this is a a penn state team that is letting some teams hang around iowa michigan um now michigan state and this is the third physical game in a row 
they're offensively, they are very KJ Hamler dependent. So Michigan State, the charge is stop KJ Hamler, and then you got a chance. Um, I, I, so I like a lot about this game. Um, home field, you know, you don't always have to have a reason to, for Michigan State to win these sort of games. You just sort of trust it. That's what happened last year. Like we were all sitting there after the whiteout game last year talking about how Penn State should have won and they may be one of the best teams in the country and then they go lose to Michigan State at home. So uh, I'm not going to play it, but I, I'm tempted to. I, I like this side. Yeah, and it's, it's a rivalry game. It's a made-up rivalry, but both fan bases have made fun of it for so long that I think it's actually become a real rivalry. <laughs> well, I could see... Uh, I mean, Penn State under James Franklin, you know, kind of kind of does start to... Uh, be able to take on the look of the the team and the personality that Mark D'Antonio preaches is their enemy, right? Mm-hmm. A little bit flashy, a little bit more like more stars on the recruiting profiles. Yeah, let's go. Come on, come on, come on, Sparty. Let's let's get this W. Let's get it on the field. Let's get it straight up. All right, uh, back to Tom. I I don't know if you guys have noticed, but to this point, I've taken three favorites. That feel disgusting. <laughs> but after the unofficial week of the underdog, yeah, exactly. So, but I just I just I feel dirty. I feel grimy. I need to need to get into the shower and wash off. Maybe maybe get into a wind tunnel. And that's why we're going out to Laramie. All right, <laughs> you ready? Yep. It's going to be windy in Laramie. It's going to be windy. (laughs) Boy, is it. Because there are 20 to 22 mile an hour winds in store at War Memorial Stadium on Saturday afternoon when Wyoming hosts Nevada. And I really like, surprise, surprise, the under 43 and a half in this game. I just think that it's, you know, the wind... Wyoming's approach to offense, Wyoming's approach to defense, Nevada being a team that I don't think is a very good offense and is going to struggle to score points against this Wyoming team. I know the total's kind of low, but I don't care. It's a wonder. Give me the under 43 and a half, Nevada, Wyoming. Uh, I mean, first of all, shout out to Bronx. That was awesome. We appreciate you uh, passing that our way. Uh, I, I owe you one, a producer credit or uh, or a beverage next time we're hanging out. And uh, just because it made me so happy to know that we are going back to Laramie this week. It's a lock agreement. And mm. it, it might be a system play for every home game the mm-hmm. rest of the way. If the game is in Laramie, it's closer uh, to the sun. The winds are going to be blowing. And uh, that's science. So, yeah, we're going with the under. It worked last week. I approve. I approve of this strategy. <laughs> going to be windy and learning. It's going to be windy. Uh, all right, Barton, back to you. Uh, all right. How about, let's see. How about we go to USC Colorado? Is that a Friday night game? That's a Friday night game. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have jumped on this. You can you can cut and paste this to earlier if you want to. <laughs> yeah, uh, chip. <laughs> sorry sorry folks uh i i am going to play a friday night game uh with usc colorado i'm not confident i, I think usc is a lot better team than colorado but 
I, I think the injuries and the uh, weeknight home dog situation is is a little bit too much for me to to want to play the dog here. But I'm going to play points to counteract your uh, your Wendy and Laramie play. I'm going to go over 62. No, this has gone up a little bit. Ticked up. Uh, we're at, what, like 63 now, I guess? Yeah, it's at 63. All right, so over 63. And this is, a, a, in part, uh, a play. You know, USC's been banged up in its secondary. Uh, they're getting a little healthier this week, but they've had a lot of injuries on defense. Tyler Noah Hufunga's out. I think Christian Rector may be out, their defensive end. I think Drake Jackson, their star defensive end, true freshman, might be out. So they might be missing two true freshmen, or two, I'm sorry, two starters at defensive end. They might be missing uh, maybe their best defensive player at safety. Uh, They're banged up at corner. So I I think Colorado gets back on track a little bit here offensively, and yet I just don't think Colorado can stop USC, even with their injuries that they have in the running back position. I think that uh, USC puts up a big number on a Colorado defense that has struggled this year, and I think Colorado gets a couple scores itself. So uh, let's play the points over 63. Yeah, you know, this this opened with the total at some places as low as 59.5, and, and now it's up to 63. And if you, I'm looking across my board here. A great indicator for your pick is that a lot of the places still have it at 63, but the juice on the under is, you know, better. So like they're pretty much begging somebody to take the under, please. <laughs> they've got a lot of, they've got a large handle on the over, so they really want people to start taking the under to even things out. So that that's probably a good sign for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna help them out. Let's go over key numbers, sixty three. There you go, nine touchdowns. Let's, yeah, they do not want to go to sixty three to hook. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Uh, all right, Tom, back to you. Uh, well, we got our first under out of the way, so now it's time to go to our first underdog. Late night, we're heading to Colorado, and we're taking Utah State plus three and a half at Air Force. I I feel like I'm waging a one-man war against Air Force this season in that I keep betting against it and I keep losing, but I don't think that's going to happen this week. I think that Utah State is being seriously undervalued in this spot Jordan Love was, you know, like they were sending out Heisman campaign items before the season started for Jordan Love. And Jordan has not lived up to that. He's He has struggled. But a lot of his struggles have come in, in the opener against Wake Forest where he had a couple interceptions. But he still played well overall. And then he struggled against a really good defense in San Diego State. And he struggled against a really good defense against LSU. In other games, he hasn't been exactly amazing. But he's been more like the quarterback we expect. And I think that in this matchup against Air Force... Love and Utah State's wide receivers will have a better chance against the Air Force defense than they did against, you know, Derek Stingley and and Grant Delpit and those guys. I think they're going to find more room for success, more room to maneuver. And I also think that what helps Utah State in this matchup is it ranks 22nd nationally, allowing 3.2 yards per carry. I think having a good run defense is helpful against Air Force, who, granted, is better passing than most option teams are. It's just their passing attack is really built more on you not expecting it than it is anything special. So I think that Utah State defensively will be well prepared for this game. I think that they're they're good defensively, and I think offensively they can exploit some of Air Force's deficiencies in the secondary. I like the Aggies, plus three and a half. Lock it up. I am... uh, I'm, I'm... 
for this competition, I'm not going to just just follow blindly. We've talked about this game. I think the wrong team's favored. I endorse your pick, but uh, but I'm I'm not going to jump on lock agreement. I can't I can't look like I'm just following your steez. You introduced the idea to me, but that's I think the Aggies are a good play there. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Barton. All right. How about um. I'm going to go go back to the Big 12 here. Uh, do either of you guys have a play on this Texas-TCU game? Got left off the card, but it is one of those that I was mentioning where it was a late cut. Wanted to put it on, so I'm interested to see where you're going. All right. Well, I'm going to go, and I don't know, this, I feel like this line has moved a little bit as well, so let me pull it up before I – all right. So it looks like Texas is at this point a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Is that right? Uh, yep. All right, so give me the dog. Give me TCU mm-hmm. plus a point and a half. And I, I think Texas, this is another team that is ex- like has been brutalized by injuries. Really bad injuries. I, I, I think this is also a Texas team that when you look at who this team is, what they've been week in, week out, are the only two losses they're going to have this year to top five teams in LSU and Oklahoma. Is that it? No, I don't think so. I I think they got another loss or two in them. And this, to me, is, is, is a prime spot. You're going to Fort Worth. You got Gary Patterson, who has the biggest chip on his shoulder of any coach in America. He's, they've got a true freshman quarterback in Max Duggan who's been very Getting better, yeah, improving. But he's been been some issues there. But I think that this week TCU comes in with a with a good game plan. Um, I think that they understand the weaknesses of Texas defensively um, and they can attack them. I think that this is a physical run game when it wants to be. Um, and and this is another team in Texas that uh, look. I, I just I don't think that they've seen a physical run game like TCU can throw at them. And and I, I just like the spot here. Um, I think TCU is going to come out really ex- energized, and I, I like I like GP and his boys pulling the win. Lock agreement. <laughs> Gary Patterson is five and three against Texas since they joined the Big Twelve, and they've had some some extra time to get ready for this game. They've got the blood red alternate unis they're going to be breaking out, and I mean I I know that TCU has uh has been sort of occupying this this strange a uh, little bit of a middle space in the Big Twelve, but. Man, I am on G Carter Stadium. It's one of the tougher places to play in uh, in the conference. So I I, I love the spot uh, to agree with you there. And then I also think that as TCU is continuing to improve, the thing that is going to allow it to win this game is going to be the defense, which has reasserted itself as the best in the Big Twelve by far. And uh, and they're able to ride that group to limit what Sam Ellinger and those wide receivers are able to do, and uh, and TCU gets the win. So, yeah, absolutely. Lock agreement. 
Yeah, I was. I'm not locking anything up, and I'm definitely not now because I was leaning towards Texas originally. But what caused me to eliminate it from the card? Because first of all, I was driven to Texas because I saw those TCU uniforms, and I just wanted to fade them on site. But when I look at the numbers, I mean, this is a Texas offense that is not explosive at all. And it's a Texas defense that, like Bart was talking about, has been banged up and has been giving up a lot of big plays. And TCU offensively has been one of the more explosive offenses in the country. And while defensively it got off to a poor start, like Chip just said, it's gotten better in recent weeks. So I I like TCU here more than anything, too, now, but I'm I'm not locking it up. So we can't have two lock entities this week. Sorry. Uh, All right, Tom. Oh, wait, do you have another word, Barton? Do I have another word on this game? Yeah. No, I'm good. This okay. is, yeah, let's roll. Uh, Tom. All right, well, I'm going to stick in the Big 12 where I'm taking the under 63 and a half in Oklahoma State at Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State got off to a 2-2 two and two start to the season, but it's 1-3 straight. And I think the reason it's 1-3 straight is not just because its offense has played well, but because its defense has really kind of clamped things down. In conference play, Iowa State is allowing only 21.3 points per game. And this is the Big 12 we're talking about, folks. And they're allowing only 21.3 points per game. The only defense in the conference allowing fewer in conference play is Oklahoma. And as we discussed kind of earlier, Oklahoma really hasn't played a great offense yet. But in this game, they're facing an Oklahoma State offense that got off to a really good start to the season. We were talking about, you know, um, Spencer... Yeah, Spencer Sanders, Sanders, Chuba Hubbard. You know, we were talking about that trio that they have there. And through the first, in non-conference play, Oklahoma State was averaging 49.3 points per game. You know what they've averaged in four Big 12 games? I'm going to say 23. No, they're better than that. They're 29 and a half. So they're 20 points fewer in the Big 12 per game than they were in the non-conference. And a big reason for that, in the non-conference schedule against, you know, teams that weren't exactly great, Spencer Sanders was completing 67.2% of his passes, averaging 9.7 yards per attempt, seven touchdowns, one interception. In four Big 12 games, he's completing 59.5% of his passes, which isn't bad, but the yards per attempt is down to 6.9. He's got four touchdowns and eight interceptions. He's had a rough time adjusting to a step up in competition, which probably shouldn't be all that unexpected from a freshman. And I think going on the road against a very good Iowa State defense, I think Oklahoma State's going to struggle in this one. I don't think things are going to be fixed. I'm, I'm, I'll send if what I if I see something, I'll say something to Mike Gundy. I'll give him some advice on how to fix it if I notice it. But I I, I just don't see the Cowboys scoring a ton of points in this game. At the same time. I don't really want to trust Iowa State to cover that 10.5 because backing up my play are some 12 to 13 mile an hour crosswinds at Jack Tri Stadium, which is going to affect the passing games for both teams. So I'm more comfortable playing the total here than I am the spread simply because I think this 63.5 is based more on the teams we saw earlier in the season than the teams we've seen over the last month. So lock it up under 63.5. I've I think Iowa State is is good the the right play. I think they're really good. I'm just wor- like Mike Gunny's going to come up and bite somebody at some point. I mean, that's the only thing that scares me. Like I, I'm not saying this is the week. It's just there will be a week. It's inevitable. And so while I think Iowa State is ten plus points better, I'm I, I'm just scared of the uh, of just the Mike Gundy will get it figured out at some point factor. You see Mike Gundy telling our own Dennis Dodd that he was out here taking double Ambien after the loss last week? That was a response <laughs> to a Dennis Dodd question? 
Uh, we, it might have been in a press conference, but it was in Dennis's story about uh, Chuba Hubbard, where the he was Mike Gundy was so upset about the way things have been going offensively. He's trying to take double Ambien to sleep, but he can't even sleep. He's waking up. He's got the strength of a rattlesnake ri- rising out of bed through double Ambien and going into the <laughs> office at three forty-five in the morning. Yeah, he said that in the press conference. And, okay. Uh, yeah. Double Ambien, three forty-five wake up call. That's that's where Mike Gundy is right now, boys. That's where his <laughs> headspace is. So I, I'm a little worried about that, Mike Gundy. Yeah, um, with uh, with with plenty of good reason. Okay, I am going to take us to the Pac-12, where uh, I feel like I'm dancing all around this uh, this Arizona State team right now. But to to have Arizona State as less than a touchdown favorite, and it looks like at the moment. I'm going to have to snag it at three and a half is going to be the best number I'm going to get uh, against a UCLA team that might be getting overvalued given what happened against Stanford last week. I think that this is way too short of a number. Arizona State is a good team. UCLA just came off of a, a win where they're just going to be feeling better about themselves. I mean, they had they were forcing turnovers. The defense was playing well against a Stanford offense that was woefully inept down to its third quarterback. And you go from that to trying to think that you're going to have the same kind of success against Jaden Daniels and the Sun Devils in a get-right spot. There might be body blow theory, and I understand that a lot of people around Arizona State in that Utah game, they were talking about the freshman wall and hitting the wall, but you know what you do after you hit the wall? Herm Edwards helps you climb over that wall, and so Arizona State, as a short favorite on the road, uh, I think that they're going to be able to cover this and win by a touchdown. What's the number? Three and a half. All right. I can dig it. It was it, That's another game that was... I, I, I cut it pretty – yeah, that was pretty close to making. I think that was about 13th or 14th on the card. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not like Arizona – it's not like UCLA is all of a sudden good. You don't yeah. You don't beat Stanford and then everything's fixed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. I, I, I feel you there. Um, all right. Let's see. I'm down to the the very uh, the very bottom. I mean, anything else I'm pulling off the bench last minute and then there's – oh, then there's a there's two homer picks that I'm still marinating on. Uh, Tom. Well, I've got four picks left. Jeez. Okay, Tom. <laughs> we'll start with this one. I'm taking Indiana plus two at Nebraska. Been ignoring Indiana for too long. They're a good team. I think they're better than Nebraska, and I think specifically defensively, they're going to be able to go on the road and compete in this game. Particularly, what I like is Indiana's run defense. Now. On the season, they're allowing 3.76 yards per carry, but it's important to remember that Ohio State ran for 306 yards against Indiana and averaged 7.29 yards per carry in that game. So that's kind of skewed the number, even though it's only at 3.76. In their other six games, no team has only one team has rushed for more than 4.5 yards per carry. It was Maryland last week at 4.68, but Ball State was at 2.5. Eastern Illinois was at 1.68. UConn was at 2.32. Michigan State was at 4.18. Rutgers was at 2.24. I feel like if you can stop the run or at least slow down the run against Nebraska, you're going to have success against it, and Nebraska's defense is porous. So I like Indiana going on the road here. It was it was in consideration for my money line sprinkle, but instead I went with Tennessee. But give me the Hoosiers plus two. Lock it up. Love it. I, I, I like this pick a lot. 
I uh, this was this is in my on deck circle. This was first off the card, uh, so I'm not going to jump on because I still have some some more action. I gotta I gotta play, but this is this I'm into this one. All right, Barton, what's your what action you got left? Well, uh, you remember Chip? Let's 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 turn back the clocks to when you were talking about that Arizona State pick, and part of the reason was what is UCLA all of a sudden good? Well, the reason that we might be tempted to think the UCLA is all of a sudden good is because Stanford. they played Stanford last week. <laughs> <laughs> and not, not, not Stanford, but the Jack West Stanford. Um, and the Jack West Stanford is, is, is a worrisome lot. I, I, let's, let's say this. I, I am a little bit worried about making this pick because I'm scared that I've gotten off of like the the ebb and flow and the body rhythm of this Stanford team you know the when they cover when they don't I was on them early I got I got beat I stayed on them maybe a week too long and then I missed another opportunity to fades I got called out on Twitter by one of our, our loyal listeners or our, our friends and and now I'm jumping back on, and I'm worried that I'm a, I'm, I'm kind of off the rhythm now. And so I, I hope that I'm not zigging when Stanford's zagging. But I I just think that this Stanford team playing against an Arizona team that at the very least can score, at the very least they can find some explosive plays. I, I don't think Stanford can be functional offensively with Jack West. So it's it's only what like a point. Where, where are we at here? Uh, it is. Yeah, it's a point. So Arizona is, or is it a pick'em? Arizona. Actually, I see either pick'em some places. No, Arizona is a point favorite at some places, and it's a pick'em some places. All right. So I mean, I guess I'll take the point, but I don't think I'm going to need it. I'm going to go Arizona plus one at Sleepy Stanford Stadium. No, I'm no, Arizona is Arizona is getting the point. They're minus right. one. I'm sorry. They're not oh. plus one. So they're laying the point. So it's yeah, a, my so bad. I wanted to pick them. Mm-hmm. All right. Arizona, pick them. Let's go. All right. I'm going to take us to the link where dreams go to die <sighs> at 7 p.m. in Philadelphia. UCF coming in as an 11-point favorite. Temple off of a disappointing uh, performance, disappointing loss at SMU. Now, there were some parts of that game that should be very concerning when we consider the matchup with the way that the Knights offense works. Um, You know, the fact that Temple's defense just gave up 475 passing yards and six touchdowns. Yeah, that's, that's a little bit alarming. But we've discussed that UCF is a very different team away from home than it is in Orlando. And so if I'm catching 11 with a temple team that has uh, taken down Maryland at home, taken down Memphis at home, I don't think that they're going to pull the straight up upset, but I do think that uh, getting it above 10, we might have some value here with our beloved owls. So I will be locking up temple 7 PM kickoff. We'll get it on ESPN too. And, um, and that's, that's where we're going to be living. 
This is another late cut for me. I'm with you on the same side, though. Here, But my favorite little anecdote about this game is the injury list at Sports Insights, where it lists the injuries, wants you to know that Taco Fall is out with a concussion. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, when I was looking at this yesterday, Taco Fall was not in the injury report. It was just Greg McCray and Adrian Killens. But as I was double-checking just now, it says Taco Fall center, concussion out. So... I mean, they're going to miss having him in the middle of their offensive line. <laughs> Be a good field goal block guy. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. When I played in high school, uh, we played against a guy named – do you all remember David Harrison? He played for Colorado and played in the NBA for a while. He's a, he's a center. He's yes. like 6'10", and he would be on field goal block. Uh, if in football, he played tight end. And it was it was something to deal with. To have a six ten guy trying to jump over the line every time you kick it, so tackle fall could have some 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 impact. Uh, tackle fall is a great red zone weapon. Great, where just throw <laughs> just it up there, run the fade. Yeah. Um, all right, back to you, Tom. Uh for my next lock. Listen, we kind of we kind of talked about this earlier in the show. I'm taking Miami plus six at Pitt. I feel like Miami, while being its own worst enemy at times has been very unlucky at times as well. And at some point, that has to balance out. And I think that that point is this week against Pitt. Pitt's defense is very good. Pitt's offense is different this year. It's moving at a different tempo. It's throwing a lot more. But what it's not doing is putting together a lot of explosive plays. And I think that going against this Miami defense, which has been very good at limiting explosive plays for the most part, the the Panthers might struggle to move the ball. I think this is going to be a lower scoring, tighter affair than maybe this spread suggests. And I think that maybe, finally, in true ACC coastal fashion, Miami picks up this win against Pitt, kind of throws things into a little bit further despair, though I think Virginia would probably take control because I think Virginia is going to beat Louisville this weekend too. But I just, I, the cur- the Hurricanes have to cover this one. They, they've got to, the ball's got to bounce their way at some point. I, I'm taking the Canes plus six. This is, this is a gut feeling more than anything. This was, this was the gut and then search for stats to back it up afterwards. But I don't need the stats. I'm just going the gut. Miami, take it, lock it up. I mean, Miami needs wins just to make the postseason right now. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Barton? This was, uh, this was a scout team play for me. This was, I, I agree. This just feels like, Feels like the spot where Miami, you know, just like just like Stanford, I feel like the body rhythm is telling us that this is the time where Miami wins. But I didn't have enough data to to give me the the confidence. But I agree with you. All right, a play that I actually like really love. I, I really love this play, and uh, it's late in the it's late in the day here because uh, it's it's not exactly a mainstream game that I typically am into. Um, This is a a, a team you guys might have some familiarity with. You two have dabbled with this team here recently. I am going East Carolina plus two and a half at home, homecoming Mm -hmm. against Charlie Strong's USF. Yep. (laughs) Yep. I, I kind of I don't know why I just I kind of love this game. I think ECU is is really uh, motivated to 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 find a win here on homecoming. I think that when you look at East Carolina's record right now, or or, or like who they've beaten, um, I'm pulling it up right now. It, it, it's it's not that 
like distressing. I mean, they've got they lost to Navy, yeah. Uh, they lost to Temple in a relatively close game, and they were pretty competitive last week at at UCF. Uh, otherwise, I mean, they haven't beaten anybody either. But I think that they're a little bit of a team that no one quite knows what to make of them yet. And Mike Summers, who's a really good coach, came from the FCS, one of the best coaches in FCS. I think has this team playing good defense. Mike Houston. Uh, is that what I said? What Mike Summers? I yeah. said Mike Houston. Um, and has them playing good defense. Their offense is coming along. I just, I, I just like this game. I think the ECU wins it, and uh, and and it's another uh, another black mark on the USF program. Love it. I fully support fading the Bulls. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but uh, but you're right, man. Like it is. There is that sort of bubbling year zero style confidence for the Pirates where you you brought in Mike Houston not expecting that he was going to be turning things around after they were just sort of the the pits of the AAC with Scotty Montgomery for the last couple years and there's an understanding that it's going to take uh, at least a year or two before you start to get into that more competitive tier near the top of that division. And I I think this is a huge uh, building win, potentially, for the Pirates. And I, I'm with you, man. I endorse it I, I Just in reading some of the, the comments uh, leading into this game, I just get the sense that ECU is treating this like their, their Super Bowl. I just get that, that sense where they're just – they're 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 really circling the wagons and 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 prioritizing getting a win in this game. Dowdy Ficklin Stadium's like sneaky nice, and it's because they've got a uh, they've got some they've got some passionate donors, and uh, and it would it would behoove Mike Houston with a bunch of potential donors uh, in town for homecoming to uh, to get this win that would point to better signs for the future. Good fundraising opportunity for the uh, for the first year head coach in Greenville. All right, uh, let's see. Tom. I am taking for my next pick another under, another wonder. Ohio at Ball State, under 61 and a half. This is what, kind of what we talked about earlier. You want to get into the weather. There's going to be rain in this game, but it's a light rain. It's also going to be very breezy rain as the winds are going to be 14 to 15 miles an hour throughout the contest. And I just look at this matchup, and I still kind of like the under either way. I think Ball State might be the best team in the MAC. I think they might be the team to beat in the conference. And Ohio is two and one in conference play, but it doesn't really, from what I've seen of the Bobcats, they they don't look quite themselves. But I think that on the road in this matchup, Frank Solich is probably going to look to slow things down a bit. You know, not that Ohio moves at a high rate of speed as it is, but I think that as an underdog going on the road, they're going to try to limit Ball State's possessions, and Ball State has been a team that moves pretty quickly. They have been an explosive offense, so I think that makes sense, but I also think that the weather conditions are going to work against Ball State in that manner, so it's it could be problematic for them offensively, and I just think that this game, that total is a little high. 61 and a half points. So I think that this is more of a 28 to 24 win for Ball State than I do think that it's like a 34 31 win. I got no feels there. Yeah, that's your that's your that's your world. Uh Barton. Uh this is my last lock, I believe. Um and I'm going to circle it back to the SEC where Missouri 
is laying ten and a half at Kentucky. Uh, I think the Kentucky experiment here, where it's uh, got his wide receiver playing quarterback, has been fun and has been entertaining and has been admirable. But it's it's not going to work against this Missouri team, who's got what two games, three games of film on this situation right now, mm-hmm. and it, it this is a really good defensive line. Uh, they let me down last week against Vanderbilt. Slept walk through that game, but look, they're not the first team that's done that. I think that they got a little cold water splashed on their face last week. I think Missouri comes into this game. Um, prepared motivated and i just think that and it's not even about missouri being i think it'll take some time maybe for missouri to pile up some points i just don't i just don't have confidence that kentucky's going to be able to get enough this could be a 14 to 3 game this could be a uh, you know 21 to 10 game um i I just think missouri is going to do enough to cover 10 and a half yeah it's it's really a special spot in the uh, the college football consumption Saturday, that 7.30 SEC network game, because you know it's going to be from the SEC East, and you know it's going to be 17-3 to in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah, my, my this is at Kentucky, right? Yeah, my, that, my only concern is that Missouri has been horrible in its two road games. Those are the two losses that it has, so that worries me a bit. But I do, I do agree with everything else. I just think that Kentucky, I don't know what they're going to really be able to do here. Um, all right, I, I'm actually tapped out. I'm good. What? I like my card. I got, I got one left. I got I got scared off of... Uh, uh, you know what? I'm not getting scared off of anything. Here we go. That's right. All right. We're going uh, App State under as they go on the road to play South Alabama. And the, the thinking is uh, Appalachian State is ranked. They blew ULM out. And what... What I'm really coming back to is is sort of trying to figure out with this undefeated team, with the, all the pressure of being undefeated and being on the road, you know what what is their a potential impact? And I think the potential impact is only going to be on the total because while South Alabama might be able to, like I just don't think they can hang within this number because I don't think they're going to be able to score enough points. I mean, Appalachian State has totally locked down on defense. They've only allowed seven points in each of their last two games. The only hesitation that I had was that things got a little bit frisky against Charlotte and Coastal Carolina uh, earlier this season. But if we just look at you know last time on the Charlotte road, Charlotte can score though. Last time on the road against Louisiana, seventeen to seven. As I mentioned, ULM fifty-two to seven. Uh, the defense and UL and South Alabama also was kind of bad in the uh, in the red zone offensively last week during their Fun Belt Wednesday game. So don't I know it? So I I think that re- what I'm really riding here with the App State underplay is that defense to continue to play really really well, so that even if if the offense is a little bit creaky or has a little bit of a you know a roadie letdown type performance uh they're still going to be able to deliver the goods for us uh with the under so app state defense is really the the hook of the play and uh we're going to take that under i love it do you you have anything left barton just my money line sprinkle well, I've got I've got one more Sun Belt play if that's what the people demand. It is. They demand it. 
I am taking Texas State plus 11.5 at Arkansas State. I kind of like what I have seen from Texas State offensively. I think Jake Spavital is getting that team going. The results haven't completely been there, but looking at the process, I like it. But also, Arkansas State in conference play is allowing 44 points per game, and it's not like there's just one game skewing that total. They have not allowed fewer than 37 points in any of their Sunbelt games, and I think that that matched up with what I've seen from the Bobcats on offense. It's going to make for a good day for the Bobcats. I'm not, I don't think they're going to go into Jonesboro and win outright, but I do like them to cover the 11.5. Texas State plus 11.5. Lock it up. Love it. We, we are in week nine and you just said, I really like what I've seen out of the Texas State offense. I tip my cap to you, sir. That is good footballing right there. Good re- Hey, good research. You've been on – did you take Texas State another week ago? You've been talking about SPAV and circling this team for about three or four weeks. Yeah, I, I don't remember if I locked it up, but I have been kind of keeping an eye on them, yes. Mm. All right. Because I, I remember that Texas A&M game where I thought, hey, there's – there's some decent stuff here. Mm-hmm. And that's where it kind of started. Tom's card heading into week nine. He's got LSU minus 10, Lock Unity, Ohio State minus 14, Memphis minus 10 and a half, Utah State plus three and a half, the under 43 and a half in Wyoming and Nevada. It's going to be windy in Laramie. Indiana plus two, Oklahoma State, Iowa State under 63 and a half, Miami plus six, under 61 and a half, Ohio Ball State, and the Fighting Spavitals plus 11 and a half. Barton, he's going to go with the under in Tennessee, South Carolina at 47 and a half. That is a lock agreement with the dentist. Lock Unity with Ohio State minus 14. Lock Fight with me as he's on Notre Dame minus one. Kansas State plus 24 and a half against Oklahoma. The over 63 Friday night in USC, Colorado. TCU plus one and a half against Texas. Arizona pick them. Um, wait, Arizona. Who's Arizona playing this week? Stanford. 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 That's right, Stanford play. ECU plus two and a half uh, with the fade Charlie Strong's in town. Missouri minus 10 and a half. Chip's card. He's got Tennessee plus four and a half. I've got Ohio State minus 14. Michigan plus one in the lock fight. Michigan State plus six and a half. Under 43 and a half in Wyoming, Nevada. The TCU plus one and a half. Arizona State minus three and a half at UCLA. Temple plus 11 against UCF. And the under 52 as Appalachian State travels to go play South Alabama. Our money line sprinkles. We've got, uh, I am on Michigan State plus 200. Tom is on Tennessee plus 170. And Barton, your money line sprinkle. Kansas State plus 1100. There we go. Is it two? Is it a little bit? Is two and oh grounds for a heat check or not? No, no, yeah. no. fire. <laughs> you hit plus 325. You're playing with house money, man. Look, I think that honestly, with this one, I actually kind of like it because Kansas State. Is could very well lose this game by thirty, but if it gets close, they like if, if it's played in Kansas State's pace and if it's played in in the style that Kansas State dictates, that, then it's it's kind of either a thirty point win or an upset. Um, it's it's kind of I don't really see it being somewhere in the middle. So um, let's go Kansas State plus eleven hundred. 
He is Barton Simmons. He is Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Tom Fernell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Remember, the mailbag is open for business. You go to the Cover 3 College Football Podcast page. You leave a five-star review, and in the review, you put your question. That question gets added to the mailbag, and they get addressed on Mailbag Mondays. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Sunday after the equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after the equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.